Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, hey, River. I'm glad you're here today, and we're, we're excited about what God is doing. We had an amazing day today. We watched as our food bank was open, our Hands of Hope was out doing their thing, and we are just serving people all over the community. Amen? Amen. Well, thank, can, can I just tell you, it is one of the roughest jobs in the church is to be a sound person. Because the only time you ever get noticed is when there's feedback, right? Or when somebody's mic doesn't get turned on. And that's, that's, a, that's kind of a bummer position. And so I want to, let's take this opportunity to thank those, of, those who are working our tech part. And this may not be the right time to push for this, but if you're interested in helping in our tech department, you can see Pastor Seth following the gathering and he would love, 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 love your help. So, uh, no, I appreciate you guys. I know that, it, I know there's a lot of variables and so... Uh, it's very, very great that we have such an amazing team of people that make that happen every week. Amen? Yes. Well, we've been in a series that we've called The Pushback, and if you haven't been with us, I would encourage you to hop online and to uh, get caught up in what we've been talking about. But really, what we've been talking about is this idea that we live in a time and a place where things are going to continue to rapidly change and I believe with all my heart that it is, it is a, a showing or a preview of the fact that Jesus is coming back and that his church needs to be ready. And so for many of us, we, we watch as the world changes and it seems to get harder and so many things just seem like everything is upside down and it'd be very easy to just get discouraged. But instead, we as believers, those of us in this room who call Jesus our Lord and Savior, we need to be excited because we know that in the end, we win. Amen? And so I want to take just a few moments tonight, and we're going to look at God's word. In Luke chapter 21, starting verse 25, it says this, And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear, with foreboding of, all, uh, of what is coming on the world for the power of heaven will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, Father, we're going to spend some time in your word. And God, I'm so grateful to you because when we look at your word, Father, it it never returns void. It it never leaves us lacking. Father, if we'll open up our ears to hear, open our minds and our hearts to understand what it is you have for us, God, I know that you'll speak to us wherever we find ourselves in our faith journey today. God, for those who've come into this place today and, and maybe they're still working out what they believe and if they even understand or want to believe this, God, I pray that your word would penetrate their heart and they would hear hope today, that they would understand grace and love and how much you care for them. And God, for those who are further along in their journey Maybe those whose relationship with you has grown a little bit cold, that today would be a day where they would hear and understand that they need to be awake, they need to pay attention. God, wherever we are, I know you can speak to us. 
Father, I pray for those who will be watching this in Star Valley, and I pray over that campus right now. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person that sits in that room that, God, you would speak directly to them and that you would do what only you can do. For the men and women watching in Alaska, we pray, God, that you would speak to them right where they are and that, Father God, they would understand the time is near. God, we thank you for what you're doing in Malawi. And God, I just, I just see revival breaking out there. And so, Father, we just pray that you'd continue to do what you're doing and that, Father God, everyone will hear of your amazing love for them and turn to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this verse is interesting because it's obviously talking about the return of Jesus Christ, but basically at the end of it, it says, hey, raise your head, pay attention, get ready. So for all of us, and, and many of us grew up in the church, we've spent a lot of time in church, and, and we've heard messages, and we've, we've understood, and we've, we've said, yeah, we'll be ready when the time comes. But I'm telling you, as I reread that verse again this week, I was drawn to this thing where I'm realizing, man, there's so many different signs and wonders, and as you dig in and spend some time in Revelation, you'll see that so many things are starting to happen that are pointing to his imminent return, and I just believe that God is saying to his church, it is time for you to raise your head, get out of all the stuff that's menial that you've, been, that you've been wasting a lot of your energy and effort into, and start paying attention because he's coming back. Now, as we have sat in this series, we've talked about some of the different things that have been going on, and, and I can't help but think that, that we are in a time right now where we are going to see what I would label a soft totalitarianism that is coming to this country. Now, you may go, I don't really know what that means, but what it means is this, that we are coming to a time and a place where there are those who are seeking control so badly and they want so much control that they are doing whatever they can to get people to fall into alignment. I, this last week I saw, and again, let me preface it with this because some of what I say may come off like, I'm, like it's political and I want you to hear my heart because it's not meant to be political. I'm just saying it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you fall on. It doesn't matter whether you, where you got vaccinated, you didn't get vaccinated, you, you don't believe in the vaccine, whatever. I don't care about any of that. What I do care about is this, we do have to pay attention to the signs. And the signs are there that we are coming to a place where now, because of what's gone on over the last couple of years, the government has gotten to a place where they feel like they can control everything. And we're watching, I, I, I've seen videos in different states where we see that, that you can't go and shop in specific places unless you can prove that you've been vaccinated. I saw yesterday a video of a lady in a Burger King and they wouldn't even take her order unless she proved vaccination. And I'm just telling you right now, this isn't, this isn't again, anti-vaccination. I'm saying to you, though, we've gotten to a place where because of these issues that we're in the middle of, we are seeing, we are seeing people who are hungry for power rise up and use that power to be in control. We saw churches shut down. We saw all of these things take place. And in some states, we're still seeing that. I watched again this last week as, as somebody posted a video of yet another pastor being arrested in Canada. By the way, in, in two weeks, my cousin Dwayne is going to make his way from, uh, from Canada to come down and share with us. He was supposed to do that while I was on my sabbatical, and he's going to come, uh, Lord willing, that he's able to get out. He's going to come down, and he'll be sharing with us in two weeks. But 
I just, as I watch that, I, I, I can't but help but think, we have come to a place that I never thought that I would see in my lifetime. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to stand up. We have to make a stand. We have to say enough is enough in some of these areas inside of our lives. And we also have to be ready. Now, during this message and, and over the next few weeks, I'll be using probably some quotes from a few different books, and I've listed them. If you're following along on the app, those books are listed there. So, so if you hear something and you're, and you're wondering, you can go and, and check those out. But Jesus is coming back for his followers. And two weeks ago, we talked about that there's a difference between a fan and a follower. That many people that, that would sit in church on the weekend, they're fans of Jesus Christ. Man, they, they think he's pretty great. They, you know, they even got the t-shirts, right? They, they, they've got the bumper stickers. They're, they're running around town. And, and if you ask them about Jesus, oh yeah, I really like Jesus. He's a good guy. But the reality is, is to be a fan is a lot different than being a follower, the admirer or the fan never makes any true sacrifices. He always plays it safe. I am a believer that as long as it doesn't cost me anything, right? There's a lot of those. A lot of people who would say, hey, I'm a believer, but I don't want it to cost anything. I don't want it to affect my work. I don't want it to affect my home life. I don't mind giving up an occasional weekend when I'm not in the middle of doing something else that's more important. But other than that, I don't really want it to have any effect on anything. And can I tell you, that makes you a fan. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it affects things. Amen. Though in words, phrases, songs... A fan has solid, uh, a solid, what looks like a solid foundation where he is, he is, he's doing things like, like worshiping and praising and, and maybe even talking about Jesus, but he never renounces anything. He will never reconstruct his life in order to express his admiration for Jesus. The follower, though, aspires with all his strength to be what he admires. So there's a lot of people that admire Jesus, right? But a follower changes things inside of his life to, to aspire to be like Jesus. This pushes against all that we feel. In other words, we live in a time and a place right now where we don't want to make waves, we want to stay comfortable. Why sacrifice anything at this moment? We can just go along and get along. And that's been kind of where it's been okay to be in this country because nobody really pushed back against the church very hard. They would maybe, they would maybe do a few things here and there that would try and, and stop you from being too radical in your faith, but otherwise, everything was okay. But as we move forward, there will be a pushback. And when that pushback comes, what will we do with it? Because we can sing songs like, you can have it all, God. But the real intention of our heart isn't to let go of anything. Right? Like, uh, those are great words. And, and we can raise our hands and we can sing together. And we can, we can, in the moment, even maybe feel like we mean it. But the reality is, is when any kind, of, any kind of pushback comes into our life and we have to actually sacrifice something for Christ, will we do it? Whew, it's quiet in here. 
Because suffering for Christ is a foreign concept to us. But we are told as believers that it will come. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So can I just tell you, there is suffering. It's in the brochure, right? Like they didn't even put it in fine print. It's right there. It says it's coming. And the problem is, because we haven't had to do it, many of us feel like our life as a Christian, it is, we're not doing it right if there's any amount of suffering. But I would push back on that and say, you're not doing it right if there isn't any suffering in your life. Because the, the book tells us it's coming. First Peter chapter three, verse 14 says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter five, verse three, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, I want to stop there for a moment because that is an incredible verse. Paul is saying there's a refining that needs to take place in us. So he doesn't just say, hey, there might be some suffering that'll happen. He says, no, suffering's going to happen because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character then brings us hope. Like, think about that road that, I mean, that's the, that's the recipe right there. The recipe says that there will be suffering, and then when you push through suffering, it makes you somebody who can persevere. And then when you learn to persevere, then all of a sudden what happens is your character changes. So now when your character changes, guess what happens? It produces this thing called hope. So God allows suffering to come into your life because he's wanting to, to put this recipe into play. He's wanting you to walk through the suffering and learn how to persevere. What does that mean? It means that when you come into this place today and you're struggling and you're having a hard time and things feel really hard to you tonight and you even wondered if you should even come to church. So you came in here anyhow and you said, well, I'm gonna just give this a try. So now you sit in a room and you, you worship, but maybe you struggle to worship because really inside of you, you feel broken and you feel alone and you feel hurt and wounded right now. And so you, but you stayed and you sat and you, and you listened as other people worshiped. And now you hear this word and you go, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna, I am gonna push through. So guess what? Now perseverance becomes something that's inside of you. And now you get to the other side of perseverance and when you get to the other side of that, then all of a sudden you, you realize when the next issue comes, the next struggle comes into your life, the next thing that you're dealing with, now all of a sudden you remember, oh yeah, I remember how to persevere through that and I remember that God walked me through and in the middle of all my junk and the stuff, he was teaching me something and because I persevered last time, I'm gonna persevere again and guess what happens? All of a sudden now, your character changes, 
your character changes in that you begin to understand the strength that comes from above and that even when things are hard, it isn't because God doesn't love you. It isn't because he's punishing you. It isn't because he dislikes you in some way. It's because he loves you so much that he's bringing things into your story so that you can grow your character. Now why? Because now that your character has changed and you've become that much stronger, now when the hard things really come, when persecution comes into your life, when things that push back on you harder than you ever thought you could handle, when all of a sudden that happens because your character has changed, now in the middle of your junk, in the middle of the pushback, in the middle of things getting hard for you, guess what comes out of you? Hope. Because it's the way he designed it. See, sometimes when things get hard and we start to feel like it's a struggle, those are the moments where we go, well, you know what? Forget you, God. I've been a good Christian. I've served you. I've I've gone and I've, I've helped at Hands of Hope and I was instrumental in the food bank and I've done all these things and now all this junk just keeps happening to me. So you know what? Forget you. There's no hope in it because you didn't follow the recipe. Fans eventually get burned out from trying to live Christian life out of their own efforts. That's why we hear the term fair weather fans. If you are depending on your own strength to follow Christ, you will soon find yourself drained and defeated. But I just want to encourage you today because he is with you. You don't have to do it on your own. He's not called you to just buckle down and someday he'll be with you. No, he says he's with us, right? He says, in fact, he'll never leave us or forsake us. So if you're in the middle of a hard season right now, what you need to understand is he is always with you. And these lessons are important to us to take into our hearts because the day is coming when there is going to be an external force. I believe that American Christians will be confronted with personal suffering for their faith in ways that most of us never have before. And it cannot be emphasized strongly enough that there's this old totalitarianism that that conquered societies through fear and pain, but there's a new one that will conquer societies primarily through manipulating people's love for pleasure and their fear of discomfort. See, I don't know that what's gonna happen next is gonna happen at gunpoint, but I do believe that what will happen is many people will fall by the wayside because they don't wanna be inconvenienced. And can I tell you, a fan will just quit going to the game if it's inconvenient. We've seen it, we've watched it. I know Pastor Seth's dad is in the room who's also a pastor, and I know that he watched over COVID. All of a sudden, it became less convenient. So a lot of people, I'm sure, at your church just stopped coming. Is that true? Yeah. Because a fan, that's what they do. A fan goes, you know what? I used to enjoy the game. I don't really enjoy the game anymore. I used to like going to the game. Now, you know, parking's a headache, and they want you to park over there, and the shuttle has to bring you over here, and I don't got time for all that shuttling back and forth. I'm busy, right? And so, so we, just, we just stop. That's what a fan does. But a follower 
when it gets hard, they don't quit. Because Jesus told us it was going to get hard. He, he didn't hide it. It's not like he was like, hey, I'm going to show them this brochure. <laughs> but really, what they don't know. No, he flat out says it. We talked about this in week one. Pick up your cross and follow me. Right? Like in today's term, pick up your electric chair, right? And follow me. Doesn't sound like something that's super exciting. Because he knows you've got to, you've got to die to yourself if you're going to be a follower of mine. Now, don't get me wrong, because as we talk about what's, what's coming to us, I believe that, that we have been taught that everything should be easy. And if it isn't easy, then something must be wrong with it. People are struggling financially right now in this country, and so we just print more money, and we've got to make it easy for them. There's no consequences to action anymore. We just continually just let people off because we want to make life as easy as possible. All the while, we bring destruction to everything. We should not conflate being socially or, or professionally marginalized with prison camps or the executioner's bullet because the latter of which were real, and that has happened throughout history. We've seen that. But what we need to understand is that uh, if we latter-day believers are not able and willing to be faithful in the relatively small trials that we face now, there is no reason to think that we will endure serious persecution in the future. That's what this is all about. I, I, over these weeks, I, I've been talking to you. We've, we've watched some videos about, about people who've been martyred, and we've, we've talked about it. Why? Not because I want to freak you out, not because I'm saying this is going to happen tomorrow or next week, but because I'm saying it is inevitable because the book tells us it's inevitable. And so the church needs to be ready for when it comes. And we can all sit in this room and go, oh yeah, when, he come, when, 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 when trials come my way, I'm ready to stand. But the reality is, for many of us, we won't even stand if it's just inconvenient, let alone if there's a real serious pushback. I told you in week one that I was going to every week share with you different stories of some different martyrs. So today I want, to, I want to read to you just out of a book that I, that I have called Jesus Freaks, and it's a book of martyrs. And this happened in Romania in, in 1960. It was the communist torturers came into Pastor Florescu's uh, again, and this time with a red-hot iron poker. Who else believes as you do? Give me their names. Florescu would not speak. They had already cut him again and again with knives and beaten him very badly. When he refused to cooperate, he was returned to his cell. Starving rats were then driven into his cell through a large pipe. He could not sleep having to defend himself at all times. If he rested a moment, the rats would attack him. He was forced to stand for two weeks, day and night. The communists kept asking him to betray his brethren, but he resisted steadfastly. In the end, they brought his 14-year-old son and began to whip the boy in front of his father, saying that they would continue to beat him until the pastor told them what they wanted to know. The poor man was half crazy. He bore it as long as he could, but then he could stand it no more. So he cried to his son, Alexander, I must tell them what they want. 
I cannot bear your beatings anymore. And the son answered, Father, don't do me the injustice of having a traitor as a parent. Withstand. If they kill me, I will die with, with the words Jesus and the fatherland. This enraged the communists. They grabbed the young man and they beat him to death. His blood was all over his father's cell. But he died praising his God. If you leave your children a world where you never stood up, they'll inherit a world where they can't. I want to take a few moments tonight and I want to talk about the family because it's such an important part of what we're dealing with. You see, for many of us as adults, we, the day will come, most likely, that we will have to make a stand in some way, somehow, where there will be some form of persecution that we will face. But for those of us who are parents, we also have the duty of making sure that our children are ready as well. The traditional Christian family is not merely a good idea, it is also a survival strategy for faith in the time of persecution. Christians should stop taking their family life for granted. Instead, they need to approach it more thoughtfully and disciplined. So I want to talk about this for just a few moments because we cannot simply live as all other families live except that, that we go to church on the weekend. That's not good enough. And holding the correct theological beliefs and having right intentions will not be enough either. Christian parents must be uh, initially, uh, must live intentionally counterculturally. And we need to teach our children that as well. Because the days of living like everyone else and hoping our children turn out for the best, those days are over. Man, you're like, why did I come to church tonight? <laughs> We've got to be mindful of our children. We've got to be mindful of what we're teaching our children. We've got to pay attention to the fact that there is a culture that is warring for your children. There is, there, the enemy is so cunning and so good at what he does that he is coming after our kids big time. And for many of us, we're not even aware that it's happening and we're allowing things into our own home that we're not even paying attention to. Like, it's easy, I understand it, because when, when, when my kids were younger, we didn't have Netflix yet, right? We didn't even have where they could watch on a tablet. My son, when, he, when Hunter was younger, we, I took, uh, his favorite movie was The Lion King. And so I took The Lion King and I recorded it to a little uh, mini DV tape, the kind you'd record with a camcorder, Right? And I, I recorded it to that tape and I put it in the camcorder and when we would travel, he would watch on the screen of the camcorder because that's what we had. So you parents, you all got all the stuff, right? You got all the subscriptions and you got the downloaded and you got the, you got the tablets and you got all that stuff. That's fine. Pay attention to what they're watching. Be mindful of what they're watching. Be mindful of what they're reading. Be engaged with their schoolwork. 
Because we, we, many of us grew up in a time where you just trusted that the school was going to be on the same page as you. And I'm not saying every school, but a lot of schools are not on the same page as you anymore. And many, te- there's great teachers. We have amazing teachers that go to this, this church. So please hear me when I say that. But there are also teachers who are in it to win it. And they're in it to indoctrinate your children. And they get more time with your children often than you do. We have to pay attention. You also need to give your children permission to say no. They need to know that if, if there's something their teacher is asking them to do or something that they're learning at school that goes against what you are teaching at home because you need to be teaching at home, please hear me. If you think that it's just it's enough to bring your kids to River of Life on Saturday night three times out of the month and put them in kids' church and they'll get everything that they need in there that will push against anything that they would try to teach them in a public school that goes against what God's word says, if you think that's enough, you're wrong. They need mom and dad to sit down and and look at what they're reading and and understand that, hey, this book that you're reading right now, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with some of this. They need to have permission to push back. We live in a time right now where, where like, Adults are doing this thing, so it's probably going to start happening in school, in, in younger schools as well, where you're, you're to say what your pronoun is. For those of you who don't know, that, that's where they say that there are, you know, 64 genders. And so now you're to say if you're a them, uh, I, don't know what all the, I don't know what they all are. But it's okay to tell your kids we're not participating in that. Like, we're not going to do that. You can look at me, you can see what I am. There's two choices. I'm following the science, in case you were wondering. (laughs) Attacks on the family are real. For decades, fathers have been marginalized in media. The traditional family has been under attack for at least the last 10 years. And with the rise of social media and on-demand content, Instagram and Netflix have a bigger influence on today's children than mom and dad do. So how can we be prepared? Pay attention. Make space to teach your children. I get it because my kids are older now, so I don't have this, but when my kids were younger, I understand you come home from a long day of work and, and things are busy and you've been running here and running there and you just hope that they'll, they'll, they'll get their homework done and, and you don't have to be that involved in it and then they'll be good and they'll get a snack and they'll go to bed and then you can relax and turn on your show and everything is fine. And I get that because I understand what that feels like, but we are coming into a time and a season where if we are not spending and investing time in our children, the, the chances of them making it through this become slim to none. Keep bringing the good news, Jason. It's great. Teach your children the book. Listen to them. Let them tell you about their day because what they tell you may surprise you. What they have to say about 
What's taking place in their classroom may surprise you. If something that they're watching has some anti-biblical propaganda, shut it off and talk to your children about why you're shutting it off. The enemy is cunning and he seeks to divide. He seeks to get into, you, into your home in ways that maybe you're not suspecting. And let me tell you this, as your kids get older, they will get mad at you. Just, I'm not a prophet. I know, I know Jimmy is pathetic, I mean prophetic about, the, about the, us having another pastor. I'm not claiming to be that. I'm just telling you right now, your children will get mad at you. You're so strict. Oh my gosh, you're so old fashioned. It's ridiculous. My friends, but my friends, their parents, oh my goodness. You're, I wish I could just go live with them because you are so bad. If you hear that, go, yeah, I'm nailing it. Yes. Because if you don't hear that, you're doing it wrong. But then what you'll hear later, just heard it again, just last week, sitting with our kids. And it's funny because Hunter's having a conversation with parents of teenagers, and they're talking about a specific app. Should we let our kid have this app or should we not? Let me just tell you, it was the app that when Hunter was in high school, he, we were so ridiculous that we would not let him have this app. So ridiculous. Tell, you couldn't have it until he was 18. Once he turned 18, we let him, that, that, he could do, what, do that if he wanted to. So he sat, we're, we're, we're at our house, sitting on the couch. He's telling me, this parent just reached out. They're wanting to know if, I should, if, if they should let their kid have this app. And I said, what are you going to tell him? He said, absolutely not. And I said, huh, really? <laughs> And he goes, yeah. And I go, what do you got to say to your dad? And he goes, whatever. Some of that never goes away, just so you know. But we got to pay attention. You got to lead your children or someone else will. Now, for some of you, you sit in the room or you're watching online, you're, you're in Star Valley uh, and you're, you're here, and, and you're hearing what I'm saying, and you're appreciating that, but right now, you're kind of in the middle of some stuff, and, and it feels like a struggle to you today. John chapter 16, verse 32, says this, a time is coming, and in fact, has come, when you'll be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I love this verse, and usually what we do is we just read verse 33, but I wanted you to understand what was happening before this because Jesus is telling the disciples, things are gonna change. You're, we're going to be scattered, it's going to be hard, and things aren't going to look very good, and, and, and you just need to understand this, because I knew it was coming. And he said, and I'm telling you this, so you'll have peace. What an interesting thing. He's like, hey, things are going to get really rough, and I'm telling you, so you'll have some peace. Okay. I don't know if you're getting this, Jesus. That doesn't really give me peace. That you're telling me how hard life is going to be. 
But he did it because he said, listen, what I want you to understand is that I'm still in control. Hard things are coming, but I'm still in control. Last week, Peter thought he had this. But Jesus is saying, I got this. I got you. So when it gets hard, and maybe that's where you are right now, maybe you're in the middle of it and it feels hard and it feels overwhelming and you feel like, I don't know if I can make it through this week. I'm so tired of all the stuff. Can I tell you, Jesus told us that trouble is coming, that things will be hard, but take heart because I win in the end. And some of you, I just feel like tonight as we're, as we're preparing to wrap this up, that you need to understand that even if you're in the middle of it right now, that first of all, God is not surprised by that. Second of all, his word told you hard things will come. But then he said, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Take heart, you're on the winning team. Take heart, it's gonna be okay. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.